Good morning. Good morning. Today's breakfast and class are sponsored by Rini and Ezra Dab in honor of their son Moshe. In loving memory of Alfred Sutton, Alava Shalom, Lilunishmat Abraham Ben Zarif, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Morris Sutton. Also by Sammy and Albert Sutton in honor of Jaime Chira and his dad, Stanley Chira, uh, which we uh, uh, added this morning. Okay. There's a fascinating Ma'amar Chazal, an expression that's brought down from our sages, and that is that we talk a lot about the Zer, about the crown on top of the Shulchan. We talk about the crown on the various Kelim of the, of the, uh, of the Mishkan, of the sanctuary. But when we talk about the Zer, about the crown of the Aron, which represents that of Torah, there we don't mention exactly what it means and exactly what it is, and etc., etc. Why, says Sehazal? Because on the crown of Torah, anyone that wants, kol Whoever wants that's this crown, let him come and take it. So there's crowns of many different types, but the crown of Torah, whoever wants it, let him come and take it. Now I want to talk a little bit about what that means. There was a rabbi, his name was Rav Shlomo Zalman Ullman. He unfortunately had a child at the time who was suffering from polio. Now at the time there were various places that were considered to be good on a medical level for people to go and live because of the air, because of the environment, and lots of people, they used to move to cities for their health. Today it's not as much of a big deal. You have state-of-the-art hospitals, you could live in the worst city uh, uh, from an atmospheric perspective, but you could have excellent medical care. At the time lots of people would go for medical reasons to live in Switzerland. And he was exactly like this. He lived in a very small village. Most of it was non-Jewish. And there was a Jewish uh, you know, population in the town. But unfortunately, before World War II, not everything was so favorable to the Jewish people of the area. So people, when they would, uh, when they would walk the streets, they weren't exactly broadcasting that they were Jewish. They weren't wearing their kippah. They weren't making a big deal. As much as they could, they would try to hide the fact that they were, that they were Jewish and that they were different. They just tried to blend in. Rav Michal Berlin tells about his grandfather when his grandfather moved there. He moved from Israel. He never had this, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, this idea in his life that one should hide who they were. So he moved to this little village, to this little town, and he wasn't about to change the way, <clears throat> the way he felt about his Judaism and about his practice. He wore his kippah everywhere he went. He wears, on Shabbat morning, there was no Eruv, it wasn't a Jewish town. He'd wear his talit in the streets on Sukkot. He's walking with his, uh, with his uh, blue lavender trog. And you know what? People on the street, they came up to him, what are you doing? Don't you see uh, everybody here? We're also all Jewish, but none of us you know, are, are, are broadcasting who we are. None of us are uh, flaunting our Judaism. It's much easier, it's much better with the people that live in the area. If we keep quiet, if we hide who we are, <clears throat> it's much better, everything like this. But listen, he, this is when I, he was not about to change the way, the way he lived and the way he expressed his religion and his faith. So he continued to do proudly exactly as he had done back in Israel as if he was still in Yerushalayim. One day, uh, a man comes up to the, to the wife of this, uh, this man, of Shlomo Ullman, and she says, you don't know who I am. He says, she says, I'm Christian. She says, okay, nice to meet you, good morning. She says, I just want to tell you, the priest in church today spoke about your husband. She started getting nervous. Everybody's been telling them all this time, you got to be quiet, under the radar, all this kind of thing. Now they're singling out her husband out of everyone in the town. The, the priest is speaking about him for the pulpit. What's going on? She says, he stood up there and he gave a big smack on the pulpit. And he said, how is it 
that we Christians who are living in a Christian town, we're the majority of the town, but there are people in this church, in this parish, who are embarrassed to do their religious rites, their religious uh, deeds, their religious practices. We would all do well to learn from this new Jew who just joined our town, from out of town, who wears his uh, religious hat wherever he goes. He wears his white shawl on the Sabbath, you know, and everybody else could go jump in the lake. This is who he is, and he's very proud of it. Nothing deters him, nothing stops him. That is a man of faith. That is a man you should all aspire to be. This is what, because this announcement was made, every non-Jewish guy goes up to his Jewish neighbor and says, oh, you know, we spoke about you guys this morning. You know, you think we just come back, talk about the Shabbat Dirasha, share the joke that the rabbi said, the story the rabbi said. The non-Jewish people do it from their, uh, their houses of worship as well. So they all get, you don't know what happened, the rabbi was talking about you guys, etc., and he's mentioned this one Jew, and every Jew got the biggest musar, the biggest uh, criticism of, their, of their, the fact they were hiding from whom? From their non-Jewish neighbors. And they asked them, could you imagine how much that stung? Why is it that only this guy wears? How come you also don't wear your kippah? How come you also don't put on your talit? How come you also don't have that palm branch that we read about in the Old Testament in the Bible? Could you imagine that? Rabotai, that's what it means. One person, if you look at the Aron Kodesh and you see this there, and you're wondering where it is, says the Gemara, the crown of Torah, it's there for whoever wants it. But many of us, we have the crown, but what do we do? We put it in our pocket. You want it? No problem. It's there for the taking. Do you walk around with the Torah as if it is your crown? Or do you hide your crown away? That's the question that the Gemara is posing. This man, he taught an entire town what it meant to be open and to be happy and to be proud of his Judaism. Rabotai, my father and I were just reminiscing. We were in London and our lawyer, whose name is Phil Pfeffer, a great guy, comes up to my dad and he says, Rabbi, he says, I'm so happy to meet you. He says, why? He says, your whole life, my whole life, professional life, I've been talking about you. He says, you've been talking about me? He says, I've been talking about you. Why? He says, because all the time, when we need to open a school, or a synagogue, or a whatever, the case that I quote is the case of Fari versus the state of New Jersey. It is case law. It is used across the entire United States when any member of any faith is attempting to open a Bible study group, a synagogue, a church, a mosque, whatever it is, to, to exhibit and to use freedom of religion. Why? There was actually another court case that went to a higher court, by the way, to a Supreme Court. This was a court, this was a, a, a county court against Monmouth County. But the language that they put in there is so expressive and it's so effusive and it's so emotive that it gets quoted because there's no wiggle room. In the language that was in that court case, it says, and no one should be able to tell any member of any faith not to be able to practice his or her own religion in their own home. When my father was going and running the case, people said, Rabbi, you're fighting the case in court. We should keep a low profile, close the synagogue down, move somewhere else, do something else. You know who he got the greatest letters of strength from? He got letters signed from 40 priests, from imams around the country telling him, we're with you. 
Fight for what's right. Fight for the ability to believe in what you believe in and to stand tall and proud. You know where the crown of Torah is? It's sitting on the table. Anyone who wants, pick it up, put it on your head, and be proud of who you are and what you are. Rabotai, Rabotai, I just want to end with one last concept, if that's, if that's okay. Something that really struck me. If you look at the Aaron, it talks about the Aaron. And the Or Haim asks an unbelievable question. For some reason, when it talks about all... Are you okay? When it talks about all of the various kelim, the vessels of the Mishkan, it says by all the asita and you shall make. Ve'asita and you shall make. Make the menorah. Make the mizbeach. Make this each time. Ve'asita. But when it comes to the Aaron, the, uh, the holy ark, what does it say? It says ve'asu. And you shall make in the Hebrew plural lexicon. And you plural, all of you should make the Aaron. Why do we deviate in the expression that's being used? And I need you to understand the importance of this. We're not talking specifically about a sanctuary the Jewish people built in the desert thousands of years ago. The Mishkan, the concept of the Mishkan and building a sanctuary in this world, as the Al-Shicha Kadosh always used to say, is he used to say, Build for me a Mikdash, and I will dwell not in it, but I will dwell in you. The idea of the Mishkan and all of its various pieces are meant to be also allegorical and metaphorical, teaching one how to build within themselves a more, and within their surroundings, a more godlike surroundings, the surroundings which are less selfish and more selfless. If that's the case, so the question of why we deviate and move from the singular creation to the communal creation is of maximum import. Rabotai, I want to share with you the secret. You know why it says, and you will make the Aaron, and you will make together the Aaron, specifically because of the words of the Gemara. Anyone that wants this crown, but you know what happens to every single individual who has to stand up and wave the flag? Everyone's embarrassed because it's just me. What, only I'm going to stand up? Only I'm going to say shush in the Beit HaKneset when people are speaking, when they're in the middle of praying. Only I'm going to go and ask people to donate money to this. Only I'm going to be the one that stands out. Says the Pasuk, if you want to build an Aaron, that everyone should be happy to pick up the crown and wear it themselves as well, it needs to be a communal effort. People need to feel that they're not standing alone in standing for these principles. That everybody is there alongside them, dealing with it as well. You cannot build a community based on two or three wealthy people. And when I use that word wealthy, I don't just mean in money. Some people are wealthy in money. Some people are wealthy in time. Some people are wealthy in skill. But it cannot be the job of an individual or individuals. It needs to be where everybody stands up and says that this synagogue, this school, this charity, this drive, what we're doing this coming Sunday to deliver the gift of warmth on the streets of New York City to its homeless, this needs to be not something that I'm pushing, but that we are pushing. And I have to say I'm so proud of our community, how more, more again and again and again people stood up and sent us blankets and gloves and socks and bags and food items. And we're going to be packing them this Sunday and sending them out to the homeless people of this city. Our responsibility is to be a light, not just to ourselves, but to all those that we come across. May we be zocher, not just 
to ve'asita, to great individuals in the synagogue, but to an amazing community and congregation where everybody stands up together and creates an aron where each person sees the crown on the table, picks it up with pride and wears it on their head. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve